discover Star Trek Discovery with us as we recap and critique the episodes with a little sass and humor. Okay, maybe a lot of sass and laughter. Ready to laugh with us? Hello and welcome to Trekkie and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Monika. And I'm Andrea. And welcome back, guys, to episode 14 of season two, A Such Sweet Sorrow, part two. This is the last episode of season two. It is the culmination of everything that we've learned this entire season, all of the ups and downs, all of the wonderings, all of the, oh my gosh, what does the set signals mean? Who sent them? Everything is being answered in this episode. So it's a final fight against control. Are they going to win? Are they going to lose? Initial thoughts. What did you think about this episode? Oh, I love this episode. It made me whole. It's, I feel reconnected to Star Trek Discovery. I was worried, very worried after part <laughs> one because I didn't like part one. <laughs> but this was so much better if you don't focus on a lot of details, which we'll discuss. And um, I really loved so many characters in this that came back around. And Tilly, if you're ever in my area, I got you, girl. Beer on me. Two rounds. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> I liked it a lot more than part one, but I still just felt like, I don't know, there was something missing for me in this episode. It did have that oomph that I needed. Now, granted, it was loads better than part one, because part one, I was just like, what a... Mm. I should have just made this one long episode because part one wasn't given what it was supposed to be given. But part two, I liked it, but I just still felt like there was something missing. I, I guess like they just, to me, it felt like they gave us this huge mystery. And even though it was solved, I just still, it was still lacking for somewhere, somehow for me. And in the very end, spoilers, you know, you've probably already seen this episode. I don't like the shaved Spock's beard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a perfect transition. <laughs> I liked him with the I mean he's still hot without the beard and I still love him but like with the beard it was just doing something for this character and then now without it it's just like it went from I'm your daddy to hello sir can I take your daughter out like I don't know <laughs> it, was just, it just he doesn't have the same seriousness I think like he didn't show like at the he looked so much younger one without the beard. He looked more like a baby without the beard. So like it didn't, it, he just didn't seem as serious without the beard. It went from, like I said, hello, um, I'm like, I'm here for my wife versus hi, sir, can I take your daughter out? Like it just wasn't given what it was supposed to give. Well, I thought because they also transitioned his beard at the same time as he transitioned back into Starfleet uniform, it showed that like, for me, I love that part because it's the connection to the timeline mm -hmm. and it ended with Spock. I thought you would like that. <laughs> so I know, I'm so happy about it. I'm just don't I like, more of a I don't Spock like the origin story and his growth. And now he's like back and start because he took a sabbatical for a while. So it feels yeah. like that character no longer feels as though he needed a break from Starfleet. Yeah, He's nope, 100% correct. I just really wish he would have kept the beard. 
Like, oh, just, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. everything you said was correct, except I wish you would have kept the beard. Got it. <laughs> so this episode, um, we get the answer. Basically, this episode, um, we get the answer, and it's all about the seven signals, about who really sent them, and it's about Discovery realizing they have to go to the future, Um from part one and then it's also about like that process of them building that again discovery being able to figure out something that took someone else generations to figure out um and they figure it out like that um and they're able to put the exoskeleton together for her like the time suit um i realized i will say i was incorrect from last episode i missed when they said it was going to be a one-way trip so that's why everyone was like saying goodbye to their families um because they weren't going to come back with it. They weren't coming back. So I do apologize, people. I was wrong in the last episode. Um, I did miss that it was going to be a one-way. Uh, they knowingly knew it was going to be a one-way trip. I don't know how I missed that, but I did. Um, and then it's about, this episode's about that whole process. Because now Section 31 is now attacking. Um, they're trying to survive we see a death that we weren't i wasn't expecting um this episode was a lot it was a lot of moving parts a lot of different people uh, speaking um you're right this was a very star trek focused show um episode it was i liked it but let's talk about what we did and did not like about this episode i really liked the action scenes, so the fights, the fight between Nan, Giorgio, and Control slash Leland. Like that battle um, in the hallway corridor and running down to, for Giorgio to trap him. I thought that that was, that was really good. Because uh, I also really like Terry and Giorgio's fight scenes like I'm captivated with her high heel kicks like <laughs> girls got that now I love when they use a, uh, an actor's ability to fight and hers like I would never want to rumble with her in real life like no no you're good you win um I love that they were able to capture her fight scenes multiple times and it, and it made sense to um because you think with Starfleet you don't always think hand-to-hand like there are hand-to-hands but it's mostly like you know intergalactic battles but it made sense that this was hand-to-hand so it wasn't like they like oh let's just show that she can fight no like this was we were showing that she can fight and it made sense the plot that she was doing it so I love that they were able to incorporate that so I agree with you so the second thing I liked was Michael's uh exit from discovery flying through with all of the like the the drones around her like that flight scene and spock in tow like her support brother behind her like (laughs) and then i'm not exactly sure what she landed on but uh that that i don't know watching her in that red getting into the red angel suit and flying through it was really connected to me and i i thought maybe i might be reaching here but like when she got into that that red angel suit it was a connection to her mother yeah and so i just loved that and that family dynamics and now she's off to a new journey and all of that so i i really like that scene um i have to say 
I have to go back and say, so last episode, because when you brought up Spock, that made me remember. Um, last episode, I did talk about how, why did Sarek not say goodbye to, like, his, like, Amanda say, like, why didn't that say goodbye to Spock? Because Spock, because again, I thought this was a round trip at that point. And the fact that it was a one-way trip and they never, we didn't get a scene of Spock saying goodbye to his parents. Like, that just also made me like, what the heck is going on right now? But neither here nor there. Weird, but neither here nor there. But like, uh, but I did. Go ahead. Uh, Later on in the episode, there was an image of Spock hugging Amanda, but we still didn't see Sarek. So I don't know why in the end, out of there, like, he's okay and he's back that she like I don't know reconcile with him but it was just weird so I agree with you as that still stands their relationship is still weird yes <laughs> um I love but I do say I'm loving Michael and Spock's relationship so much even though like he's the younger brother I feel like he's more like the older brother with her like how he protects her how he goes like he goes out on a limb for her um it just their relationship was really really cute um He's like, I'm not like, I'm not like, I'm like, because honestly, he could have stayed on the Enterprise and he could have like, I'm going to miss you. He's like, no, I'm like, I'm leaving my blood family for you. Um, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to make sure you get there safely. I'm going to risk my life to protect yours. Um, he even told her like how to send the seven signals. Like she was the one who did it. She sent them because everyone that they needed at this final battle got a signal, which was very interesting um I didn't see that connection but now I'm like oh I'm all coming I'm like oh I get it um and even when he said like I love you in Vulcan it's like I love you sister yeah. or I love you Michael and she's like I love you too brother it's a very there I'm really happy we got to see that sibling relationship because the Spock that we always see on all the other shows is very stoic very um I mean he's also funny he has his funny moments from in my opinion yeah. um but it was nice to see him with the family relation um, outside yeah, of his parents. And that helped him to, to, I guess, ease or circle back to the conversation that really exploded between Michael and Spock 20 years or so ago, in which she called him a happy breed and he wasn't going to be able to love, but they love each other. And so it made it home. <laughs> Very cute. Love, Desi. My yes. heart. My heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very uh, awesome. Oh, go ahead. Uh, so one, uh, I don't know if you're, if you noticed that Giorgio and Saru also shared a bond, and I really like that scene too. That <laughs> so. was that was nice. Um, because she went from saying I would eat you. Right. Like, I just, I eat, like, because let's remember, she's eaten his people before, like, but not technically, like, this version, but she has eaten for, like, Kelpians for the sake of just eating Kelpian. Um, so the fact that she's now going from seeing him as food to, I don't know if an equal, because I'm going to sit there and say, I don't think Georgia thinks anyone from this universe is her equal, but, okay. like, respect. Yeah. Um, like, the fact that she shows him some type of respect is very nice it was a nice full circle moment because i don't think she abused anyone from this universe her equal because no one's willing to go to the lengths that she would to win yeah. but i 
definitely can tell that she respects people and she's now respecting Saru, which is a very, uh, which is very nice. Very nice. Yes. Um, I was also very happy for Hugh and Paul. I'm having hope for them in season three now. I was going to be very, very, very adult about it from last episode. I hated it, but I also understood you couldn't force a relationship that was never going to work. And the fact that he's like, I couldn't leave and they want to be, I hope there's not going to be in this in season three. Um, will you, will, like, are we, are we not? I hope there's no push and pull. I hope they just actually did just get back together. Um, don't break my heart, please. Cause I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we see, we get the answer to Michael's vision. And so we find out that the vision was not set in stone. Um, we right. see that her vision from the last episode did come to fruition, but because she made the changes that she made, which is why they showed, showed I still don't get why they showed it to her on the wrong ship, but neither here nor there. Um, we see that Enterprise gets hit by the unexploded uh, round, and we see that Leland gets on the ship, but they're more prepared, which is also interesting because she never, we don't see her tell anyone that Leland is going to get aboard the ship. So why were they more prepared this time than last time? But I won't untangle that rabbit hole because you know my, at that point Michael wasn't on the ship; she was already off the ship. Right. Um, but they were able to have that fight that you liked between Georgia and Leland. So it was um, nice to see that the vision had a meaning because I was just wondering if they were throwing it in to throw it in. Um, but it did; it did sort of happen. And then we get one of our worst, uh, one of our most honorable, but like in my mind, pointless but honorable deaths this episode with the admiral i don't think that that was pointless first of all that that scene i think helped with pike's character arc as well yes because he was willing to sacrifice potentially like sacrifice himself for the rest of the crew because he didn't think that he would die that way so it was like a connection back to a previous episode. Um, I think it also shows that she's able to stand up now because she was a little bit of afraid at the end of season one. She um, like she was speechless on the bridge, right? When yeah. she found out that Starfleet was attacked and she sat in a chair and she didn't know what to do. At this time though, she rushed down to help um, uh, take apart the missile. Like she seemed more fearless and a much better leader. So for me, it was a character arc. Um, I feel better about her because she, she seemed more mature and a much better leader. Just that, just that. <laughs> okay, okay. What about, I, <laughs> I understand that. I can, I can understand that. I can see that. For me, the reason I said it was like pointless, it was just, I get why the blast door opening would be inside the room so you can stop it from an explosion on the outside. But I'm, in my mind, why isn't there like a different one on the outside of the room? Because like, what if you're trapped inside and you need to get out, but then you need to close it again? And like, why wouldn't there be one outside? And I guess, cause I was playing that in my mind back and forth. And like one could say, you, you can put the blast doors down to protect yourself from an invasion and you don't want them to be able to open it from the outside. But it also can be said, what if you miss, like what if it closes before you can get in there and you can't, like you need to get into that blast door to protect you from an explosion that's happening on the outside. 
So it's like, is this a defect in the way like you built it, built the ship? Um, why? Like, yes. Really? I'm with you. <laughs> I noticed a lot of details in this episode that doesn't quite, it's not as logical, but I'm trying not to focus on that because there's a lot of other things that I liked, but mm -hmm. I'm with you. And so I'm looking forward to talking about these, these details, but I agree with you there. And a few things that it's like, they could have beamed, but there was a few other things. I be, I yeah, like, couldn't they beam her out of the room? Like, yeah, it was like, <laughs> it was, it was pointless in the sense that it was like, you couldn't have done anything else to get her out of that room. Like, except just close the door. And then she just sort of stood with her arms behind her back. Like, I'm right. going to take my death. And it's like, okay, but like, really? You can put the blast doors down and then beam her out of the room. Well, and also the way that door closed, Pike was on the other side. Then she just took a few steps and then the bomb exploded. The, how did Pike have enough time to leave that area? Because later on they showed the, the big hole in the front of the ship. That was a huge explosion. Yeah. <laughs> But so try not to <laughs> it's crazy yeah it's it's very crazy and i i just her death did not make sense to me um i guess because we don't really see her in any of the future episodes that she had to like you know be written off for continuity but retire retire after this <laughs> no one said you had to die <laughs> um okay so we're going to take a quick little break at that point i think this is a good stopping point um and then we'll be right back to discuss the second half of this episode and just um discuss the seven the five to seven signals and then why the way this ended is good for the rest of star trek shows as a whole so and also explain why we haven't heard of Michael in the regular TV shows. But we'll talk about that in the second half. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Trekkie and Beyond. So now we are on part two of this episode. And so this episode is going to be more about that battle, um, people who come to assist, and then also um, the seven signals. And then basically a little bit like why this season is setting up the rest of the new star trek shows and why the new star trek shows exist without us ever really knowing about michael so let's go into it so this final battle we I'm, i was i will admit i screamed when i saw this person arrive i was like yes finally you're doing something <laughs> i was very excited like yes that's that's how you use that that's how you use that ability that you have yes what did you think so <laughs> we're excited because ash came through to help save the day and save the whole universe all <laughs> civilization because uh he went and got the klingons to return with him laurel and a big old ship yes. to, <laughs> to fight in this mission. I'm a little concerned here, <laughs> but I love seeing him come to the rescue 
of Michael. I'm concerned because I thought his character was like not supposed to be like the fact that he's alive was supposed to be shared with the rest of Klingons. Like Lorel stated that she killed him, but I guess that he helped make that whole and now also the rest of the crew is following his orders. What did you think about that? So I loved every part of that scene. And I love, the one thing I love the most is that first you saw the outline of the ship destroying Section 31 ships. And that was just remnant of the first episode from the first season of the Klingon ship coming out of nowhere and destroying um, Starfleet. And now they're coming out and destroying Starfleet to save Starfleet. Um, I loved everything about that scene. And to, the, to your point about um, how Ash is supposed to be dead, so I, I'm thinking this is happening probably like maybe two ways. One, everyone on that ship is part of her like inner, everyone who's on the first part of the ship because we don't see them interact with any other Klingons except the ones in the bridge yes. part of the ship. So maybe they're like held under secrecy. Or two, she can play it off as he faked his death. Like, like you know, because Section 31, they provided those, you know how they provided the fake heads of, of him and the baby? He could, um, they could say that Section 31, uh, like he requested evac and they provided a fake body for her to destroy. Um, so I was like, that, that was like, that was, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you're supposed to be dead, honey. Like, they're not supposed to know you exist. Um, but yeah, those were, that was my uh, thinking about that. Um, I love that the Klingons came and I was like, look, we're, this isn't about just saving Starfleet, this is about saving our future, like all of our futures. Um, so I love that they came. And then we also see some Ba'u ships show up. And who was commanding those ships? Right. So Serana, uh, who is um, Saru's sister, was... Let me back up. So Saru called his sister just to say... Not called. Left a message uh, and to let her, know, let her know that he loved her and appreciated her and a, a very nice farewell and so I guess Serana was like oh my goodness my brother's in trouble let me go help and it's during this time she's been learning how to fly planes she's now a pilot wearing a hoodie and learning how to went from being a high priestess of like <laughs> yeah. no of like of a docile nation to I'm about to run this <laughs> right <laughs> They had no technology before, but now she's like a pilot on a bowel ship, which were their arch nemesis. So uh, yeah, so the Kelpians are like, I don't know, really quickly moving forward with technology. Mm -hmm. And she helps save the day and fight off some of these drones. So it was nice to see um, all of these connections to friends and family members helped them after they helped a lot of other people. And I just love seeing that. <laughs> I loved it too. Um, I loved every part of that, like that whole fight scene. I was like, yes, yes, vindication. Yes. And another brother and sister duo, right? Coming yes. in. <laughs> another great brother-sister brother duo. And I love that. Um, and then I also loved how Spock was able to take the Klingons arriving and the and the Kelpians arriving to say, the, uh, Michael, you sent those those signals. Um, if you never sent those signals, we they would not be here today. 
the, like we would not have the help that we have at this final battle. And like that was like the final push for Michael to like know when to send the, the seven signals um, and why it was so important. Um, and then we get the scene of her going back in time and then seeing how each person was important that she saved. Um, I love seeing her see, see Jet again for the first time and how Jet is a, a very important to the team. Yes. Yeah. Um, going back to Terralysium um, and knowing that that was a possible place for them to be, um, that that gave them another entrance, another uh, piece of information about the Red Planet, but also, I'm sorry, the Red Angel, but to give them also um, a safe haven to go to in the future should anything go wrong, you know? Right, right. And the first connection to the suit, I think, really, to see yep. that Red Angel, the to see the possible capabilities of, of what the suit can bring. Yes. And Michael yeah. really seeing it. That was, I think the first time Mike, cause I think she was in disbelief before when she yeah. heard Spot talk about it uh, in the logs, she was in disbelief. Yeah. But then when she saw with her own eyes, oh, yeah, <laughs> that was an awakening. Um, and then we saw what happened with um, Voreth. Um, so, oh, sorry, Kanemar first with uh, Serana um, and how she was able to, free the Kelpians and if she never freed them they would never been able to come to uh save them at the help them help basically save them at the final battle um and then what happened with Boreth how they were able to see uh Volk and Laurel's son um and they were able to get the time crystal yes and then Zahia with the queen who was a badass in this episode talking about she told them the reason you can't kill those drones is because they're not moving in the right pattern you have to do two you have to attack two at a time you can't attack this one at a time I think that's what she said um so we were how each of those signals that she sent were sent specifically to get them to the final battle um and I I love that correlation um did you did you see anything that I missed anything that um stood out to you no I think you summarize that perfectly. I I tr I also like finales that bring things back full circle. And so this also was a reflection on the timeline. So it took me back through the journeys without presenting a recap in the very beginning mm -hmm. about what was to come. So I, I like these types of, I don't know, ways of which setting up the, um, the story and helping to bring closure to come. <laughs> yes um and then i also like that uh michael said that she was in another signal when they were safe she was in the signal back to let them know that they were good um which i thought was really nice um and sweet um because you always left wondering what happened otherwise and, and right. this way they know that the uh that discovery is safe um and i think that that's similar to right now when we go out with friends and then we separate and it's like text me when you get home right yeah. kind of thing or mm -hmm. or our parents ask us you know let me know when you're safe at your next destination so i thought i i had a connection with that because i think that that's relevant throughout like time so hey use your powers use your signals <laughs> to send this information yes um, before we get to how this sort of resolves a lot of issues within the canon story, um, I do want to talk about some of my like little favorite things. Um, so you mentioned in your initial reaction, um, Tilly saying how you don't take her out for a drink. And I was like, the fact that this girl 
admitted that the only reason she knows how to do save the shields is because she did it when she was doing a drinking game and she was blind. I'm like, how smart are these people? (laughs) (laughs) How smart are these people that she's able to fix something that she's never done sober or visually saw? Like, are you, like, I was, I did it blind for a drinking game. You did what now with where on what ship? Why? What? (laughs) Well, I I think Tilly has gone above and beyond to prove that she should be part of this command leadership program. She she has saved the day on numerous occasions. They need to promote her like four steps up. She should be. (laughs) Tilly is honorary position yeah she is badass she's a-okay with me (laughs) (laughs) and i think michael helped to boost her confidence along the way she did she did um i i i just that part with tilly just made i just died laughing i was just like really honey you did what with where with who and you were inebriated okay right she didn't panic when she was in that tight corridor because we've seen other leaders, um, Cornwall panicked. So yeah, she was just able to step up and and to restore their shields. Yeah, that's so they can a- get through the wormhole safely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get to why the how basically canon is how they get the story back to canon, um, and it's because they basically classify all knowledge of discovery of everyone who's on discovery every all of them are now classified and you can't talk about them anymore and i think that's a very smart way to wrap up wrap it up because you're not like deleting it from history it's not like they went back in the past and people forgot about them or they wiped themselves in people's memory it was like look it's just dangerous for people to know what's going on so we're just never going to talk about it in public and that makes sense of why we never heard of michael when we ever see spock or ever see uh, uh, Amanda or Serac, um, which also makes a lot of the things that they went through in the movie version of Star Trek a little bit like, oh, how much has he lost? Like, he already lost his sister. And even though, granted, probably, not probably, even though, granted, Michael didn't exist at that point, but we know this is sort of like the storyline that they're going through. Um, it's like a little bit hurtful. Like, oh, how much have you really lost? Like, this, this sucks. <laughs> Right, and all of this to protect the spear and really to cover up that control dropped the ball a few times. Very much so. And this could be the reason why Michael did not know about her, the true way in which her parents died because there could have been a cover-up in that case as well. No, it was. Leland, Leland, yeah, he, they made it seem like it was something else they made it seem like it was a random attack versus they were assassinated. They were killed. They were murdered. Right. To the point where she didn't even know that they didn't have a body for her mother. Like, yeah. found a body. Which also goes back to say, why did they take, like you said, they took their time with her mother. How, what were you, mm, okay. Like that part just doesn't make sense now, but whatever. We're just going to gloss all over that part. <laughs> We're glossing over a lot. <laughs> so, to make yes. it make sense. 
So let's dive into a few more of those other details that don't make sense. Okay. Um, so I understand that Leland slash control was kind of like broken down to the to the meat to the um, I don't know those nanobots. Mm-hmm. But they took the nanobots to the future. Yes. <laughs> so I'm hoping. <laughs> just to make this whole so I can sleep better tonight about this series. Like they ejected the nanobots, they got rid of the nanobots some way and not, but we just didn't see it. I, that was my question because I, I don't know, like what did the sport, I, 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 I watched that scene multiple times and did Giorgio ever explain what the what the spore drive was supposed to do to the nanobots? Like, I don't understand what was the point. Like, like do I don't mean, I don't understand how she destroyed them in the spore drive. Did I miss that? The magnet she de- ma- she magnetized or demagnetized the flooring, similar to what transpired a few. Um, I don't know, it's, I can't tell Starfleet time. But when they were on another ship, they were able to remove the um, control from- Gant? Hmm, it's like, sorry. Grant, what was from Grant or Grant. Right, with magnets or demagnetizing? So like, but my question is, did that destroy it or did that just disable it? That's the thing, like, I don't know, were, like, were they destroyed or were they just, and not like because again like then what do you do with them right and later on she just reported to the bridge that control is no longer an issue but that doesn't really mean case closed problem solved yeah <laughs> i just think that that's just very dangerous <laughs> potentially still um i don't know send it the same problem to the future which is very truthful, which is very true. I think it would have been better if they just sent control to the future and like 900 years in the future and then warn Starfleet so they can like build up a way to just like, you know, be prepared and destroy it when it arrived versus sit, I don't know. Also, how does section 31 know that control really has been resolved in that timeline like in the time when they were i don't know whoever was interviewing spock ash pike at the end of the episode that person alluded to destroying all reference of control but how do you really know how do you know it's not like a sleeper cell right now yeah (laughs) um well i will say that at least they did destroy all the section 31 ships so they know they um all the previous Section 31 ships were, well, at least the ones that were under Leland's control were all destroyed. Um, so at least we know those are destroyed. And Grant, but you're right, it could be a ship that he didn't bring that still has control on it. So it's very, um, yeah, it's very up in the air. And they did, right. And they did not destroy Section 31. They didn't like dissolve the underground edu- agency section 31 oh, because ash right ash 
she's been promoted. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I knew they were never going to get rid of Section 31 because like they always need that shadow um, that shadow agency to do underhanded things that Starfleet can't be connected to. Right. But because if Section 31 never exists or if it ne- like it's, it does good as much as it does bad. Like at, at the end of the day, their goal is always to protect Starfleet, but they got to do it in channels that are not always acceptable. Because, like, how Ash is saved. Star- normal Starfleet couldn't do that because right. they don't have, but like, right, like Section 31, they're able to go into places shadowy, do the right thing, quotation marks, the right thing um, for the good of Starfleet or the good of humanity. But, like, they're, for them, that for them, it's like the ends justify the means, and Starfleet needs that because they can't always do everything upperhanded. Because when you're fighting someone who doesn't fight fair, you need to be able to beat them at some point, if that makes sense. Yes, and I think they're making room in the storyline to reuse Section Thirty One again. From what I heard, that they want to develop a Section Thirty One spinoff, so they can do that and I also heard that section 31 is connected was featured in a few episodes of deep space nine okay so so I I just don't like personally I don't like underground agencies like this I I like more transparency in um leadership so (laughs) I don't know you're definitely you're definitely correct um but in a perfect world we wouldn't need them in a perfect world, we wouldn't need those shadow agencies who do things, uh, who stop people from doing things that if we, if the world found out about, we would flip our minds over. Um, in a perfect world, we wouldn't need them. Right. But so uh, speaking of perfect world, I know they're moving to the future. In a perfect world, can't they use the time crystal to return? Not that one. Because that one, they're using. They said they were using all of the charge to get to get. Um, so they were depleting it. So they would have to probably get another time crystal to come back. But I think the problem was they couldn't have the data back. And the but if the controls was, again, that's a plot hole. Because if you could get a new, if you can get another time crystal to go back, but how would you leave the data in the future? Because the data can't be destroyed. So you have to transfer it somewhere and then leave that data somewhere. Um, right. And now they know where the time crystals are stored. There's a like a big supply there. So but they can always just because Pike was able to get one doesn't mean anyone else would be able to. Because they have to be worthy to get the time crystal. Right. Um so it's like I guess it's it's like one of those other plot holes of could you offload the data somewhere else and leave it in the future and then come back to the past? But then who's to say the data doesn't fall into bad hands in the future? So it's like, what do you do? Do you leave the data with some, like, do you leave the data in the middle of an asteroid and hope it's never found? Um, or like, is control really destroyed? So you can't leave the data just with anyone. And then also goes with, well, are your generations gonna always be in charge of the data? Like, like what happens? Because the sphere didn't want the data destroyed 
it found you out so you could save it. But what do you do with all of that data now? Right. I feel like they're forever the guardians of the spear yeah. data. <laughs> yeah. They're just now security. <laughs> so I wonder how that's going to happen. I wonder if there's like, I wonder like in season three, is there going to be like, uh, is Star- I want to hope Starfleet's still there. Um, but like, what's the world? Like, do they, can they go back to Starfleet and say, hey, we're the Discovery crew. Like, check your logs. We went missing this way. So you know how everyone said that we died? Well, we did it. We went to the future. Like, do you pick up from where you left off? Or are you fugitives in this new future? Is Starfleet even a thing in the new future? Because I think they went like, what? Did they go 900 years? Or did they only go 400 years? We'll find out. Like, it's, it's, I want to say 450. I don't know why that number's sticking out in my head. But, um, like, who's to say, where do you go? Who's to say, what's, welcoming you on the other side it's very right and in the future their technology must be discovery's technology must be behind the times yeah whatever future they're in (laughs) they're now using i would guess old school technology yes outdated super outdated so uh, one more thing, I, I, I was really hoping in this episode somehow they will weave back to Gabrielle Burnham. I, I don't know, it's, I just feel like the, I just wanted that level of closure there. Uh, I just wanted more time with her because I'm intrigued by her character. And um, I really only had one episode to spend with her, but I like to learn more about like, just her research, how she joined section 31, what was it like traveling through all this time? And um, yeah, I wish the writers but now, included her. But now that begs the question, what version of her still exists? Because um, she lives in a future that was wiped out by control. If control no longer exists to wipe out that future, is she even does she even want to come back anymore like did anything that she did make like I know time is a loop so everything she did had to have happened but is she alone anymore is she like now is there like is she living in a paradise of people is she understood did she accept that she couldn't come back like what type of future is she even living in anymore Right. And it must have been a big change to go from the red angel constantly saving Michael <laughs> over and over and over again, traveling around in time to then be landlocked. And like, or- are you aware of that change? Like, you know, because they from time movies and stuff, they say the only people who realize the changes are the people who went through it, like people who changed it, everyone else sort of acclimates at the time. So did she just automatically acclimate to the fact that control no longer exists? So it's like, what does she even know what she's missing? Oh, and I just thought about this. Now Michael doesn't have that guardian angel to constantly save her. Well, yeah. So, cause like she... So yeah, it's a question of like, what, how did this change? Like we know this, you know, we know this action is changing the, um, 
the fabric of time, changing their timeline. So what are the repercussions of that change? It's very interesting to know. So everyone, we're also planning to discuss this whole season in more detail in our next podcast. So it will be a season two recap with a special guest. Yep. So don't go anywhere. Sorry. Don't. Well, if you're listening to this two weeks from now, don't go anywhere and let the next episode play. (laughs) But thank you guys for joining us. Do you have anything else to add before we go, Monica? I think that is it for me. What about you? I don't think I have anything left to add. I'm very uh, excited and nervous for season three, episode one. (laughs) Yes. And as Fox said, like, this is, um, we're looking forward to what the, see what the future holds. Okay. So as always, I'm Andrea. And I'm Anika. And live long and prosper. Hey guys, it's Andrea. Thank you for listening to the most recent episode of our podcast, Trekking and Beyond. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up with the latest episodes. If you enjoyed listening to us, please go ahead and support us by clicking that support button in the episode's description. We greatly appreciate it. As always, live long and prosper.